0: If you want to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. We're in the book of Isaiah as we're kind of going through it. Now you have to understand something about chapter 7 and 8. They're kind of a combo. That's why I've entitled our, my sermon here, uh, Difficult Times Part 2. And the reason is, what had happened, just kind of a, giving a brief review, the kingdom of Aram and the ten northern tribes had allied together, and they were going to attack the southern kingdom. This is about 700 years before the birth of Christ. They were going to enter Jerusalem, take out King Ahaz, who was the rightful king at that time, and install this guy, son of Tabil. That's chapter 7, verse 6. And Isaiah comes along, and he comes to King Ahaz, in the southern kingdom, he says, ain't going to happen ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. And in that chapter, remember, we, we said in difficult times, because it applies to this time, but it also applies to us, that we need to remember not to fear. Remember, Isaiah said, don't fear, but have faith. Then he also said, "He's always two things. When trouble comes, there's always two things we can count on. One, that he always provides a way that we can endure it, a sign. He gives us a sign or he gives us a scripture or he shows us how we can get through those troubled times, okay? And then he said he also gives a warning. God always gives a warning. Now, that's either a warning of what's going to come or it's a warning like, don't do that. (laughs) So he tells us to have faith, not to fear. Always look for a way to get through it and then he'll always give us a warning. Well, that flows into chapter chapter 8. Because here, Isaiah continues, and he is going to tell Ahaz, and in in fact, he's going to tell us, well, why should we do these things? For what reason? Why should we not fear and have faith and look for a sign and heed his warnings? And in chapter 8, he's going to give us four realities, one, two, three, four, four realities that we can count on absolutely in every trial and trouble that we go through things about the Lord. Now, um, I have a surfing buddy, and we've been surfing together for years. And we usually go early in the morning before the wind comes up. And um, usually he drives, because I buy the coffee, he drives. That's the deal. So um, we'll agree, say, hey, uh, I'll be at your house at 5 o'clock or 4.30 or 6 o'clock, whatever time we decide on. And I'll be sitting, have all my gear ready. I'll be sitting in my kitchen table. And I'll sit there and I'll watch. And when it's 5 o'clock or whatever time he said he'd be there, I can walk out my door and 99.9% of the time he's there. I can count on him. Now, that's the kind of person you want to be involved with. You know that? His word is true. He, What he said, he'll do. Now, that's also, now, my surfing buddy's not God, but... It's an illustration. It's an illustration. Now, some of you know who I'm talking about, and he's, he's that way, okay? But that also applies to God. What he says in this book about life, it's like money in the bank. You can count on it. Absolutely. So I want to talk about four realities. When troubles come, what are four realities that, that have to do with the Lord that you can absolutely count on, Okay? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So before we look at the passage, why don't we pray? Father, um, we're very thankful for the word of God and how it speaks to us when troubled times come. So open up our eyes, Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts that we might hear what the word of God has to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Uh, first reality you can always count on the Lord always fulfills his word. The Lord always fulfills his word. You can count on it. Read with me, along with me, verses one through eight. Then the Lord said to me, <clears throat> Take for yourself a large tablet and write on it in ordinary letters, Swift is the booty, speedy is the prey. And I will take to myself faithful witnesses. For testimony, Uriah the priest, Zechariah the son of Jeroboam. So I approached the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, name him, Her Shalah, Hashbaaz." You didn't think I was going to get through that. <laughs> For before the boy knows how to cry out, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Again, the Lord spoke to me further, saying, Inasmuch as these people have rejected the flowing waters of Shiloah and rejoice in reason and the son of Ramalia, now therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them the strong and abundant waters of Euphrates, even the king of Assyria, and all his glory. And it will rise up over all its channels and go over its banks." Then it will sweep on into Judah and will overflow and pass through. It will reach even to the neck and the spread of its wings will fulfill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. Okay. The Lord always fulfills his word. Now, in verses one through four, we see, as we talked about, that type of Emmanuel is born. What do I mean? Well, look in uh, verse three. Most commentators believe, verse 3 is talking about, that Isaiah went and married this prophetess. Now, when he spoke just earlier in 714 about a sign, a child being born, a sign, he was speaking about two types. One, a type of a person, and uh, this uh, lady was a virgin when he spoke 714. But now... He marries her and gives forth a birth to this son who sharar which means swift as the booty, speedy is the prey. What he's saying is this, is this is a type, and it was a sign to Ahaz that what he had said about Assyria was going to take place. They were going to destroy the kingdom of Aram. They were going to destroy the northern kingdoms. And they were, if they invaded, it wasn't going to be successful. That's what he's saying also in verses 5 through 8, we see the work of Assyria. Now, Assyria came along, and before Iran and the northern kingdoms could attack the southern kingdom, Assyria came in, wiped them out, just snuffed them out. So all that Ahaz and the southern kingdom were worried about this allied force coming in never happened, never happened. But also what happened is Assyria, having destroyed Aram and the northern kingdoms, they decided, well, we're just going to march right down to the southern kingdom. And they did. You remember the story? They surrounded Jerusalem. King Sennacherib and Assyrians, they surrounded, they they conquered everything but Jerusalem. Even as it says, it says, little reach, verse 8, even to the neck. They came right up to Jerusalem. And Ahaz's son, King Hezekiah, was the king then. And guess what happened? Do you remember the story? The angel of the Lord came and smote the Assyrians. And King Sennacherib had to run back up to Assyria. And his sons assassinated him, unfortunately. What we see here is the Lord always fulfills his word. Now, the fullest fulfillment of, Matthew, of Isaiah 7-14 is found in Matthew one twenty three, when it talks about what? A virgin will give birth to a son who was Jesus. So you have a kind of a twofold fulfillment here. The Lord always fulfills his word. Now, in Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? You can depend on it. You can depend on it. If it's in his word, it will be fulfilled. How do I mean? Well, we can see it in three ways. Two of them are kind of theological, one of them is personal. First, all that was written of the first coming of Christ in the Hebrew scriptures, the suffering servant, the Messiah, all that was written in the, in the Hebrew scriptures was fulfilled in the New Testament. What he said in the Hebrew Scriptures about the first coming of Christ took place completely fulfilled. Not a problem. We also see in the New Testament, they have, and also in the Hebrew Scriptures, there's passages that talk not only about the first coming of Christ, but the second coming of Christ. It's there. And even now, as we come up closer and closer to the end times we see many of those scriptures beginning to come alive even as we are today because what was written will be fulfilled isn't that true of course it is third way is more personal when we see something in the bible that applies to us and we put it into action what happens what it said takes place is not that true when you obey the Lord, you see the blessings that come from obedience. Also, conversely, what? Well, however, if you disobey what the Lord says, you see the results of that, don't you? You have seen it in your life. Hopefully, the former rather than the latter. The Lord always fulfills his word. You can count on it. Absolutely. Money in the bank. Let's take a look at the second resource, second reality that we find in this passage. The Lord always frustrates those who oppose His will. The Lord always frustrates those who oppose His will. Look with me, verses 9 and 10. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered, and give ear, O remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Repeats himself. Devise a plan, it will not it will be thwarted. State a proposal, it will not stand. For God is with us. God is with the people of Judah. Now, the question is, who's is he speaking to there? Speaking to Assyria? Is he speaking to the king of Aram? Is he speaking to the Northern Kingdom? Is he speaking to who's he speaking to? Well, verse nine gives us a clue. Be broken, O Gentiles. You could translate O peoples into O Gentiles. Give ear all the remote places of the earth. I think he's talking to Assyria. I think he's talking to the king of Assyria. Now, you have to understand what was happening here. God used Assyria to punish the kingdom of Aram because of their paganism. He also used Assyria uh, to punish the northern kingdom, because they had gone into worshiping false idols. And he also used Assyria to come into Judah and to punish King Ahaz because they had begun to give themselves into false idols. And we'll see that as we get along into this story. However, King Sennacherib had another plan. And his plan was not only to get rid of Aram, not only to get rid of the northern kingdom, but also invade the southern kingdoms and destroy Jerusalem. That was his plan. However, devise a plan? It will not. It will be thwarted. State a proposal? It will not. He got right up to the gates of Jerusalem, and then God sent an angel and destroyed the Assyrian army. He had a plan, but it wasn't in line with God's plan. And the Lord always frustrates those who oppose his will. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, says that God causes all things to work together for the good. Do you believe that? Now, you have to understand something about this passage. You see, oftentimes we think the good that he's speaking of is he's going to do good for me. Well, in the, long, in the bigger picture, okay, in the big picture, he will do good for all those who believe, amen? But oftentimes, in the immediate, the good that you're thinking applies to you is not necessarily applying to you, but to his good that he wants to do through the whole world. Now, sometimes, his good is not our good immediately. Do you get the picture? It, sometimes, you're thinking, say, What? Doing, <laughs> you did what, God? You've had those experiences, haven't you? Yeah. But now, do you believe Romans 8, 28? He's working all things together for the good. That means he can take the acts, both the sins and the good things that unbelievers do, and he can take believers and the good things and the sins that they do, and he mixes them all up, and he works it according to his sovereign plan. Did you know that? That's what he does. That's what he does. And sometimes we don't understand fully what he's doing, but he's working all things together for the good. Now let me give you an illustration, present-day illustration. Let's talk about the election. (laughs) You knew I was coming there, didn't you? Come on. I mean... Did you see that? I was talking to a guy before the second service. Did you see the debate? Oh. Somebody needs to Donald, tell Donald Trump, forget the smirk, would you just forget the smirk? And then here comes Hillary waddling out in her pantsuit. My Did you ever see two worst candidates in all your life? The Republicans are freaking out if Hillary gets in. The Democrats are freaking out if Trump gets in. They're, we all have a reason to be scared. <laughs> and you're beginning to think, now, are you, are you worried? Uh, well, yeah, maybe. But wait a minute. Do you believe Romans 8, 28? Yeah. Do you believe it? Yeah, I believe it. Is God going to work those two characters somehow for his will? Yes, he will. Why? Because the word of God says it. And you have to have confidence in the word of God, even though it doesn't look to you as the way he should do it. And that certainly applies to the election. What should we do? Well, you just, you're just you a good citizen. You go to the voting booth. You vote the best you can. I mean, it's two worst candidates I've ever seen. You vote for the best. You vote all the propositions, all the other things, and you just go on with life. Putting your trust. the Lord. Putting your trust in the Lord. Why? Because he always frustrates those who go against his will. They will not. Check the end of the book. Did you read the end of the book? We win. Hooray! You're on the winning side. Okay. The Lord always fulfills his word. The Lord always frustrates those who oppose his will. Thirdly, The Lord will always be our sanctuary. He'll always be our sanctuary. Read with me verses 11 through 18. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk the way of this people, saying, you are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. You are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. He shall be your fear. He shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary to those who put their trust in him. But look, but to both houses of Israel, because many were not believing, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. They will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Bind up a testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. And I will even look eagerly for him. For behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel. From the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. The Lord will always be his sanctuary be our sanctuary. Now the Lord tells Isaiah not to follow the ways of the other Jews who weren't believing, but rather to see what? To see the Lord. The Lord of hosts, you see him as holy and see, he is the, he is to be. We're to walk in the fear of the Lord. And when we and when we do, he becomes our sanctuary. Now what does that mean? It's a place of safety. It's a place where we can have the peace that passes understanding, even when everything else is going around crazy. And notice in verses 16 through 18, he tells us, and those who do, we are what? For signs and wonders. What does that mean? It means when you're, when you're walking in that sanctuary and everybody else is freaking out, you're a witness. You can be a sign to those who are freaking out. And they'll ask you, why why aren't you like everybody else? Because I'm in the sanctuary of the Lord. You could be a sign. Now, in verses fourteen and fifteen, he says, "However, uh, if you want to not put your faith in the Lord, not fear the Lord, not walk in the fear of the Lord, see him as holy. Well, then, uh, a stone to strike, a rock to stumble over. Now." If you know your Bible, you've seen that before. That, those idea, It's expressed several times in the New Testament, but it finds its best explanation. And I'll just read it to you, but you can mark it down and read it later. Uh, 1 Peter chapter two verse six. First Peter two six. Listen, for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, a stone which the builder rejected. This became the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. Who's that speaking about? Well, I'm speaking about Jesus, so it's a prophecy concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now when troubled times come, those who are not walking in the fear of the Lord, not seeing the Lord as holy, and even, now I notice that, this is not in a negative sense. Notice it says, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. You, verse 13, you shall regard the Lord as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. In a very positive sense, what it's saying is you need to see the Lord as holy. You need to allow his holiness to begin to transfer to you so that you're not such a wretched creature as you used to be, walking in the fear of the Lord. Now, those who don't, uh, they're kind of believing all kind of crazy things. Notice what it says. You are not to say it's a conspiracy. About a year and a half ago, I ran into this brother who was his brother he said he believed in Christ, but he, he was talking about there's a conspiracy. Did you guys know? He wanted me to tell you there 's a conspiracy there's a group of people somewhere that are directing everything that happens. They decide who 's the president. Did you know that there's a secret group who decides there's a president. They decide uh, who gets in charge of England and how Germany works they 're all and you know who it is it's the Jesuits. Oh, come on, I said, come on. come on, I don't believe that, I don't believe that, I don't, I don't believe in conspiracies, I think most people are so inept, they can barely control their own lives, much less control the rest of the world, you see, when you're not walking in the fear of the Lord, you're not putting your trust in the Lord, you begin to believe some of the crazy things that go on, isn't that true, remember Y2K, that craziness went on, People weren't trusting in the Lord. So what were they doing? They're buying lots of rice and oatmeal. Now, Some of you might have still some oatmeal left from... <laughs> come on, come on. And what happened? We got up in the year 2000, January 1, 2000. Everything's fine. But see... If you get caught up and you don't put your trust in the Lord, what happens? You find yourself doing all kinds of crazy things. You start believing in alien abductions. You know, they're abducting us. You know, there was a scientist who said, you know how life started on this planet? Are you, gonna, are you ready for this? This is a scientist. Supposedly, an intelligent person. He said, life began on this planet because aliens came and planted life on this planet. Can you believe that? aliens did it. And I guess we're an experiment and they're watching us from afar. And when we get to a place, no, no, stop it. It's crazy. Now, if you want to listen to crazy stuff, try listening to AM 640 between 12 o'clock and five o'clock in the morning, AM 640. You could not believe some of the crazy stuff that people believe in. Why? Because they're not trusting in the Lord. Isn't that true? You can go into X-Files and alien abductions and all kinds of crazy stuff. The Lord will be our sanctuary. The Lord will be our sanctuary. Now, I like what he says in verse 18. We're gonna be, you're going to, you can be a sign. When everybody else is going nuts and believing on all kinds of crazy stuff, you can be a witness, you can be a sign Because you have the peace that passes understanding. There's a scripture, Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own crazy thoughts. Do not lean on your own things. But in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will do what? Direct your path. Come on, don't get caught up in that crazy stuff. He even says, uh, not to walk in the way of his people. Don't follow them. They're crazy. They don't know what's happening. They're lovely people. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Come on with me. The last reality, number four. The Lord and his word are a lamp and a light for his people. The Lord and his word are a lamp and a light for his people. Let me read verses 19 through 22. When they say to you, consult the medians and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? What? No, we don't do that. To the law and the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because they have no dawn. They have no light in them. If they're not speaking according to the word, they have no dawn. They have no light in them. There's nothing there that's good and whole. What happens to them? Look, verse 21 and 22. They will pass through the, hard, the land, hard-pressed, famished. It will turn out that when they are hungry, they'll be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face outward. Why? Because they're leaning on their own understanding, and it's not going the way they thought it should go. Then they will look to the earth, and behold, distress, darkness, the gloom of anguish. They will be driven away into darkness. The Lord and His Word are a lamp and light for His people. Psalm 119 says, Thy Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Verse 20 says, Consult the dead for the living? Why? There's nothing there. Believers are given the Word. Now, what does it mean? It's a lamp to our feet. It gives us how to live life. It tells us how to live life in this crazy world. It's right here, it's in the book. But also, it's a, it's a light to our path, which means it gives direction and purpose for the whole of our lives, not just how we should interact with one another, not how we should live, but gives a, a, a big picture of what life is about. So it's a lamp to our feet, and it's a light to our whole lives. Now, why do people consult mediums and spiritists? I began to think, why why would you do that? Why would you uh, consult the dead on behalf of the living? Why do people get involved in all that crazy stuff? Well, I think one reason. um, I think many people are looking for something more than the physical. Now, the evolutionists would tell us what? Billions of years ago, there was nothing. But then suddenly there was something, which makes no sense at all. But then, after billions of years, accidents happened and you're the result of it. <laughs> That's it. And so, uh, now a lot of pe- some people believe that, but in their heart of hearts, they're hoping that there's something more than just the physical, do you know what I mean? There's got to be more than just, I was born, I work, I eat, I sleep, and I die. That's it. Something, there's got to be more. They're they're searching for something more than the natural. And you know what it is? The supernatural. We have a hunger in our hearts because we sense there's more than just the physical. And so when you're in that space, you have kind of two choices. choice, Choice A is you go for mediums and spiritists. All the other stuff that's going on that we're talking about. Alien abductions and all that crazy stuff. Because, see, you can believe in the supernatural. That kind of supernatural, you know why? It's really comfortable. Because there's no moral obligations. If you believe in alien abductions, well, you can then live your life however you want. And it gives you that, woo, spirituality. But there's there's no, you don't have to obey the aliens unless they come to you and tell you. And maybe they have. Maybe you want to talk to me after service. No, thank you. The other option is the word of God. (laughs) Now, this is not just a book of principles. It's a supernatural book. Did you know that? God did just make us and give us his word and then go off to the far parts of the universe and figure out, well, you guys can handle it. Now I've given you. No, 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 no. He's given us this book, and when we apply it to our lives, we see the God of the universe moving through us and it feeds the, the deep yearning we have for the supernatural. Isn't that true? Yes. It's more, th- there's a God here, and he's, he's using me. He speaks to me. He ministers through me. He allows me to be a healing element in people's lives. And it, it satisfies. He's, the book of God satisfies the soul for the supernatural. Okay. Okay. If you don't, then verses 21 and 22 are for you. They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished. It will turn out when they are hungry, they'll be enraged and curse their leaders and curse God. Trust in the Lord. Don't seek, that kind of stuff. Okay, so here we come, kind of come to an end, a conclusion. And sometimes conclusions are funny. You can kind of come up with, You read some facts and then you come up with a conclusion. Uh, And I'm a kind of a, a food nut, you know, a health nut, so I came across this study, and listen to what it says about eating. It says, Japanese people eat very little fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. Oh, good. Mexicans, however, eat a lot of fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans, okay? Chinese drink very little red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. Italians drink a lot of red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. Germans drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of sausage and fats and suffer fewer heart attacks than Americans. What's the conclusion? Eat and drink whatever you like. Speaking English is apparently what kills you. (laughs) <laughs> you got to get it right here. What's the conclusion? Why should we not fear? Why should we not fear? Why should we have faith? Why should we believe that in every situation there's, a, there's an answer, there's a, there's a sign, a way to, to endure these things? Why should we listen to the warnings that God gives us in his word? I'll tell you why. I'll give you four good reasons. Because the Lord always fulfills his word. The Lord always frustrates those who oppose his will. Always. The Lord always is our sanctuary, a place that gives us the peace that passes understanding. And finally, the Lord and his word are a lamp and a light to those who believe. You can put money on it. They're always true. Pray with me, please. Father, in troubled times, and it got pretty heavy with King Ahaz in the southern kingdom, it looked like they were going to get snuffed out by the kingdom of Aram and their former brothers. But yet it never happened. It didn't take place. Lord, help us find in your word the place that we can find a sanctuary because we put our trust in you, because we believe your word. We're not leaning to our own understandings, even when it seems to be going against us. Help me, help my brothers and sisters sitting before me to trust in you and not lean to our own understandings, but to acknowledge you and feast on your word. In Jesus' name.